Welcome to Divorce Etc. hosted by us, the ex-experts. We're here to give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Plus, we're asking a lot of the questions that you may not even think of or know to ask, but we know because we've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. Hey everyone, we are, we're always thrilled to have our guests here, but Bella's special. Sorry, everybody else. <laughs> Bella's all the way in Australia. She started a blog called A Kid With Two Homes. Her parents divorced when she was really young and she felt that she needed to create a resource for kids because there are so many books and everything for parents to try to figure their shit out, but um, to kind of let kids know they're not alone and other kids do get it. So welcome to our podcast, Bella. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's so exciting to be here. <laughs> so why don't you give everybody a little bit of information about you and why you started this? I know I, I put words in your mouth a second ago, but the fact that you've actually done this is really amazing. So let's give you a little airtime for that. Thanks, TH. Yeah, for sure. So a bit of background about my story. Um, my parents divorced when I was young, so I was three years old. Um, and ever since then, I have been going through two, between two homes. So I'm 22 now. So that's 19 years of going between two homes. Uh, my parents' uh, divorce was quite high conflict from the ages of three to the age of 18. Um, and then when I turned 18, I said, enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. Um, this is where we're at and this is where I want to go moving forward um, and from there my parents really listened to me they understood and we worked our stuff out um, and from there things snowballed I was able to have an 18th birthday with both my parents there I had a 21st birthday with both my parents there um, and it's quite an amicable relationship now but that's not to say that it wasn't without conflict and it wasn't without a lot of work and communication um, but that's where we're at now so, it sounds almost like you're saying that you aging into your adulthood and expressing yourself is actually what helped your parents come to an amicable place in their relationship. Interestingly enough, probably that's exactly right. I think, um, you know, both my parents are very mature people and they always put us first in the sense that we were the light of both their lives, but there was still a lot of conflict between the two of them. And unfortunately, I found myself often being the messenger or often being a product of that conflict. And that just didn't sit right with me when I turned 18. It's actually the day of my high school graduation. I said, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> You, you were probably siblings. just in a place in terms of maturity that it was all came together. I would assume it sounds that way. Like, you know, you were getting little pieces, little nuggets growing, growing, growing baby steps. And then you're like, you know what? I'm here now. And you got to clean up your act. That's, that's ballsy too. <laughs> it was. And it was really tough because I think there was a lot of times before that where I did think I was trying and I was think I was trying to communicate that, hey, this needs to get better, um, but probably not effectively. Um, and so then turning to my blog, I guess it's a real resource to help kids reach that stage before 18. I mean, I lived so many years where it was quite high conflict and I felt quite um, upset or anxious about the situation where I could have been communicating more effectively. Um, not that that was my responsibility, but just for myself moving in my parents' divorce, um, that could have helped a lot. So that's A Kid With Two Homes. Its ultimate goal is to help kids of divorce feel less, um, less alone, more heard and seen. 
um, and just provide a beneficial platform because you're exactly right. There's amazing resources for parents, but how many are there for kids? Right. Um, and yeah, puts a real, uh, you know, interesting resource in the mix of everything. So part of what we want to talk to you about today to be able to get the word out to parents of like maybe what they're not thinking about in terms of what their own children are going. So you, you said you were three, you clear, it sounds like you have a sibling. I'm not sure if older or younger, but probably I younger. Do. I do. I have a younger brother. Um, okay. He's very close to me. Yeah. So he, um, he was one at the time. So we're quite close in age, but yeah, it's just the two of us. Okay. So my kids were not, it was similar ages. My kids were two and four and TH also mm-hmm. had three kids under eight. So our kids were little when we got divorced also. So my first question that I'm curious about is how old were you when you um, started sort of understanding, not necessarily the concept of divorce, but that your parents were divorced, meaning that your parents were in a situation that not everybody else's parents were in, that there was a difference in the, in the parent situation in your home. Do you remember how old? Yeah, I think there was a few key events that happened that really led me to that understanding. So obviously I was going between two homes. That was a difference. Um, I was quite young, so it's all I knew. But I knew when I went to my cousin's house and their mom and dad were both at the same house, Mm -hmm. that my family arrangement was quite different. And then obviously in pick up and drop off and that change over time, adapting to my new home was, was quite interesting and different for me, especially if I had different family around and different other relationships, like my grandparents, who obviously were together. Um, And then I think you move to primary school or you move to school age or preschool. And I vividly remember that there was one other girl whose parents went together. Um, And that was for quite a few years. And I knew we never really spoke. We weren't quite good friends at all. But I knew that there was somebody else in my grade that was different like me. I didn't exactly know how, I didn't know her intricacies of her parents' divorce, but I knew we had some sort of connection because her parents weren't together either. Did you ever feel when you were younger that you were embarrassed about the fact that your family profile was different than some of the other kids or was it not something that ever affected you on that level? A hundred percent. And I think that sometimes I've looked at it not as embarrassing, but almost sad because I'm yet to write a blog on this, but there's this idea of hope that there's this idea that your parents might get back together one day because that's what happens in Parent Trap, which was one of my favorite movies, or um, that's what, you know, would stop me having to go between two homes and packing a bag on a Wednesday night for a Sunday morning. Um, And I think that's really hard to deal with, especially when you're young and you don't understand why they divorced or you don't understand the intricacies of relationships. Um, And I often remember asking those really difficult questions, especially when I was little, like, why can't mom come with us? Mom, why can't you come to dad's house? Or, um, you know, obviously, even in the mix of things, introducing new people into your life, um, such as step parents or step partners. Um, And so I think that's a really interesting time for a child to develop in, just generally, and then add in divorce and all those new aspects. Um, yeah, it can be, it can be confusing. So were you, were you getting support for yourself? Did you go to a therapist or anyone who you could speak with and kind of like voice the way you felt or grow into the way you felt? Me personally? No, I actually didn't. Um, I have a very close relationship with both my parents and my grandparents were very, very present in my life. 
Um, I also have a, a lot of extended family that are quite present in our situation. So I always felt loved and supported and cared for. Um, often I would turn to my mom and my dad. And I think that's a really interesting point because they essentially were who I was talking about. Um, so yes. that can be sometimes problematic. You can say, mom, I really, really miss dad or, you know, I couldn't sleep because I missed dad and I was worried about him. But mom's going through the pain and the trauma of, her not being with him either so mm -hmm. I think that can be really hard and that's why I think it's so important that there's a third party objective resource out there that's not necessarily as big as seeking a therapist or um, a child psychologist which can be phenomenal in situations and really important in some but just where kids can have access as well what what would you say are some of the maybe like the top two or top three things that as you grew through your your childhood and through your adolescence that you felt were the kind of biggest challenges of being a child with divorce so the idea of going to two homes for sure the concept in general would be a challenge but like maybe some specific things within that uh, under that umbrella and then maybe some other things outside of the home Mm -hmm. So I talk about these three main concepts again and again, and I will never stop talking about them because they are the pillars of what have gotten me to, I believe, the person that I am today. So first, I would say acceptance, acceptance of my parents' divorce, accepting that they were not going to get back together. And if they were, that was out of my control, accepting that, you know, I have two homes and how am I going to navigate myself through this? So really accepting again and again day in, day out, every time I pack my bag, that this is a situation that I've, I'm in and how am I going to maximize that so I can focus on my life? That's been number one. Number two, this has been a really challenging one, is responsibility. Knowing that my parents' divorce, knowing that my parents' happiness and my parents' loneliness is not my responsibility. Easy said, very hard done. You go to dads or you go to moms, you inherently are worried about the other parent or you miss them or you, you worry, that if, are they happy? Um, so that, that's a difficult one. And that's understanding that I can't control my parents' happiness is massive and has been massive in helping me accept my parents' divorce. And number three is communication. And I think that is the literal tool that I used for us to be able to get and my family to be able to get to the position that we are right now, where we're quite low conflict um, and it's and it's quite an amicable relationship and effective communication. I think, you know, you can think things and you can say some things that you don't mean, but unless you effectively can communicate with your parents and vice versa, parents to children, it's really difficult uh, to move through your parents' divorce. So all of these things are amazing how do you do it? I mean, really, how do you let go? Do you think it was a maturity thing? Do you think at 18, you finally accepted that your parents weren't going to get together again? And now we have to just move forward. I mean, it's like with anything else in life. Oh, if you do X, Y, and Z, then you're going to be great. Okay, great. Where's the tool? Where's the exactly. thing? So, and you know, for, for Jessica and I, you know, being the parents on this side, we had each other. And so support was just so important and you just kind of grow together. So I would think it would be difficult. Like if I were thinking about 
first of all, I, I couldn't talk to my parents about it because nothing good was going to come out of their mouths. It was going to actually help me move forward. It was just going to be like my ongoing phrase now, pit of pain um, that I wouldn't be able to move past. And I really did feel that therapy helped me, but I tried to encourage, I did encourage my kids to go to therapy. My oldest daughter was eight and she was having crazy headaches and migraines and panic attacks. And I was like, holy shit, we're getting an MRI first to make sure there's nothing wrong with her. And now you have to go and talk to someone. And she just, she was so uncomfortable. So that's also like, you know, as far as you said, you know, using family, I would think that using any resources that you have that are positive um, are really critical because she just felt like lost and alone she couldn't verbalize why she was having headaches and why she was having a panic attack. That was just her way of communicating that she wasn't feeling good about any of this. But she probably didn't even realize that that's wh why it was no, happening. No, she didn't. Right. She didn't. And so how, do, how does a parent help? Like, what do we do to help you guys when you can't even, like, it sounds like 18, you got your voice, your, your strong voice, even though it sounds like you were asking questions along the way. Did you feel like you weren't being heard along the way? Did you feel that even though they were there to support you, you weren't getting the right kind of support? I mean, help us help you guys better. That's what I'm looking for. Definitely. And I just want to premise this with the fact that I honor everybody's unique position and everybody's unique divorce because right. no 100%. two situations are the same and no child's experience is the same. Right. But there are those common themes that we all do experience and ways in which parents can really help. So if we work on that structure of acceptance, responsibility and communication being three really important pillars in a children's life. Um, and just to also premise this, I've, I'm two weeks away from finishing a Bachelor of Law and a Bachelor of Psychology. So congratulations. I, but you're a real life expert and you've lived it. So we don't even need the medical jargon around it. We want to know how it feels because ultimately yeah. you come home at the end of the day and your parents want to do what's best for you. And you. so. So if we go to acceptance, for example. No, you know what, let's start at responsibility because I think this is the toughest one to really meet in the middle between kids and parents. So as a child of divorce, you are extremely anxious about your parents' happiness. Let's talk about our mom's happiness, for example. I'm really worried about mom's happiness because I know that she's very upset that mom and dad aren't together. And when I go to dad's, I know that she misses me so much. I know this because when I go to dad's, she gets quite upset and she's mm. very emotional about it. And it's really difficult for me to leave her knowing that she's not happy. Okay, so what can parents do here? Transparency and emotion is fantastic. And that's really important sometimes for your child to understand where you're at. But sometimes too much transparency and too much emotion to the point where you're transferring it onto your child mm -hmm. is not the right answer. And so to help your child not feel responsible for your happiness, there's certain things that you can say. You know, you can be transparent saying, hey, I'm going to miss you guys so much, but I really want you to enjoy your time with your dad. And then when you come back, this is what we're going to do. Right. Something as simple as that. It sounds like um, from, from what you're saying, and maybe it's just the, the maturity at this point, but 
there's a lot of discussion when it comes to divorce with parents and, and how kids are interpreting things where, um, where a lot of times the kids may think that it, they had something to do with the divorce or that your parents got right. divorced because it was their fault. It doesn't sound like that's at all part of your mindset. And I'm wondering if it ever was, or if that just wasn't something that played into your experience. So let's go to acceptance because this, I think, comes under that. And a hundred percent, this, I would almost say, is a feeling in every child's experience of divorce. Only thing that can circumvent that is the literal telling them that it had nothing to do with them. Mm. I was in a Q&A the other day and I was talking about this term of acceptance and reminding your child that your divorce is not their fault. And a, a, a father actually asked me, he said, but of course it's not their fault. Like, do, I, do you mean I actually should say that to them? Yes. Yes. And I know and that say it many, many times, right? This is yeah. not a one-time conversation. You keep reminding them that you love them. This is not your fault. Have a great time with your mother or father. I'll see you in a few days and I am okay. Like yep. over and over. Yeah, absolutely. And like I always say, divorce is an ongoing process and not just for the parents and not just for the divorcees, but for the children, because they're actually the ones that are experiencing that going between two homes I have packed a bag on a Wednesday night for 19 years and it's those little things that is the ongoing process like I said I have to remind myself I had no doing in this action but now how am I going to capitalize on this to move my goals forward um, and so I always say in a sense that hey parents listen up it's really important you help your kids achieve their goals because you want them focusing on what they want to achieve at school what they want to achieve with their friends you don't want them worrying about a mom and dad not together because of something i said right a mom and dad not together because i didn't stand up for dad or i didn't stand up for mom in that fight that's not what they should be worrying about um and sometimes explicitly saying the obvious is the way to go when you are talking about packing the bags and going back and forth, the kid with two homes for the last 19 years, what like specific challenges do you think that kids are encountering when it comes to that, that parents may not be thinking about? I mean, I think that for, from the parent side, it's really about the logistics, right? It's like, okay, in my apartment, I need to have the basics. I need to have underwear. I need to have socks. I need to have some clothes. There might be favorite items of clothing of theirs that they're going to have to take back and forth. You want to have like the, you know, the stuffed animals and the, and the creature comforts in both homes. But there were definitely times where like, oh, my daughter forgot her math homework or my son forgot his science book or you know, they forgot they were going to be doing something that day after school and they need something at someone else's house. I think that's what parents are always thinking about, the actual logistics of it. What do you feel like from the kid's side are the biggest challenges? Nail on the head there. But I think, you know, packing can be a really stressful, emotional thing, especially for me. I mean, I'm 22 and I call a friend or I get one of my parents to sit with me every time I pack because I dread it. And I'm so transparent with that because it's just another reminder that I go between two homes. But how I circumvent that is by calling a friend or getting a parent to sit with me. But 
you're exactly right. It is about the logistics. And sometimes it's so important that the parents do focus on that so the children don't have to. Um, but it's also very emotional. So helping them get their bag or helping them, okay, let's sit down. Let's write out your calendar. What do we have Thursday, Friday, Saturday when you're at dad's? How can I help you pack for that? What's a go? Okay, you might think, all right, clothes, toys, stuffed toys. You've left your homework. How are we going to organize that? Does my kid have to text my co-parent to organize them to bring the homework? Or am I going to be the bigger person and communicate with my co-parent for the benefit of my children? That can be really stressful. I remember forgetting something and thinking, I've just forgotten my sport uniform. I'm not going to participate in sport because I want to completely involve. I want to completely avoid having my parents having to communicate over that. Wow. So I'm just going to not do sport. Wait, can we just pause on that for a second? Because I think that's a really interesting and poignant point for parents to think about. Like if you are in a relationship with your ex that is not super amicable, but not even super, not super amicable, but like in conflict, right. You, your child may be making choices that you're unaware of when it comes to their own activities or their own enjoyment and giving things up because they don't want to have to tell you because they know that that's going to require a conversation between you and your ex. That could be an unpleasant or conversation or a fight. I think that's really like And then interesting. the child is going to feel they're responsible for so an argument. So they're and just going to- like a vicious cycle. Right. So they're just going to not play their sports today, or they're just going to miss whatever the game is so that they don't have to have you guys have a fight. That's really sad. It is. And I think that an interesting thing about that is, for example, my situation, if I just said, hey, mom, I forgot my sport uniform. Can you bring it over? Or dad, can you message mom to bring my sport uniform? 90% of the time, they may have communicated it and it may have been okay. But those instances where it wasn't okay or there was conflict deters you from even going there as a child sometimes. And that can be really hard because if you turn around and you say, oh, I didn't, I missed sport because I didn't want you guys to communicate. And they said, of course we would for you guys. We'd put you first every time. They make you feel like that 90% of the time. And that's really great. But there's, you know, those memories of conflict or that, that want you to make you want to avoid it completely. And I think that that's not necessarily a bad parenting thing, but it's just really good insight into how your kids' minds might work and how their experiences of conflict can really inhibit their actions and impinge on their goals and what's important to them. Like I said, yeah. So this is triggers for kids, right? right? That we have our own triggers with our spouses. You guys have triggers from behavior that you've seen and heard and the way the house feels. Like my ex and I never argued in terms of raising our voices. We did just not communicate. But my kids translated that as you guys were always fighting. My mind fighting is yelling and screaming. Their mind is complete silence. And really so yeah. I, 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 the one thing, and, and I would like you to say the three things that we should make sure we never do and the three things that we should always do but it, there are a lot of hard conversations that take us off guard too. And I think that as long as you, as long as I showed myself as a human, 
sometimes I get upset and I'm okay, but I'm human. Like you cry sometimes and it's okay. It just, you know, whatever, this is life. And we're, we're, we are going to keep moving forward together. And I always had an open line of communication. Whenever my kids would call, I would answer the phone and um, the dynamic between me and my ex and my ex and my kids was very strained. There was no relation. The relationship with their father really started after we separated. So me being the primary parent, I was in charge of everything. And then I had to let stuff go. Right. And I was like, oh, no, no. I'm in charge here, but the other, so open communication and, and really considering that, um, relationship that I had was very hard not to have the kids be messengers. Like give this to your dad, give this to your mom, even that small thing. Now I'm responsible for giving him something. So my daughter did say something to me. So I would hand it to him myself when they when he would come to the door. And one other last interesting thing that my daughter told me later, she goes, I really hate it when you call him my father. Why are you calling him dad? Like dad will be by later. Instead, I said, your father will be by later. And That's as so a parent, I definitely wouldn't know that, but I know how it felt better to call him their father than their dad. But I didn't think about how my kids felt about that. So parents, you know what? We're doing the best that we can. Do the best that you can. Have open communication. Tell your kids, like, if I'm doing something wrong, you need to tell me because I'm not perfect and I don't know. But let them know that it's okay for them to speak up and say, don't call him father, right. call him dad. So I like choke on, on my breath, but I did it because I want my kids to be okay. So but tell so, us the three things yeah. you shouldn't do and three things you should do. Okay. So just as a, kid, as, as a kid, as a kid. So that's really interesting because I've experienced that as well. Your mom or your father, it's, it's our dad. And you know, you were married once and that's really. Right. But look at the way you said it. You're like, it's our dad. Like that's the loving, like happy thing. And you're like, your father. But it, and, and you're exactly right. Parents do try, but it, it really is important to consider the kids perspective. So on that, I want to say one thing that you shouldn't do is talk really negatively about your ex-partner to your children. And on that, what you should do is show respect for your co-parent because showing respect for your co-parent is showing respect for your kids. I think an example of this is if you are talking negatively about your co-parent to your children and you say, I hate your father or your father's X, Y, and Z negatively. And then tomorrow you turn around and you say, you're just like your father to your child. Mm. What are you communicating? And I, I, I hear this in some submissions that I've had and it breaks my heart because ultimately the parent isn't intending to say, I hate your father, so I hate you. But how's that making your child feel? And sometimes we're just trying our best as parents, but really your words and how you treat your co-parent in front of your children can be really telling of how they feel and how, what their self-esteem is. That's one thing, okay? Another thing is responsibility in the sense of logistics. So for example, I had a phone in year four. I had a phone not because it was super cool and I wanted a phone. 
but it was easier to talk with my mom or my dad when I wasn't with them. So it was okay for me. I felt like I dealt with it fine. But now looking in retrospect, I didn't want that responsibility. I didn't have a phone to talk with my friends. I had a phone so that I could speak to mom when I was at dad's and mom didn't have to call dad's phone anymore. Mm -hmm. So don't put your kid as a messenger and instead have that level of communication that is solely focused on the kids and has no room for that conflict of whatever that might be separate. And that's hard. I know that, but I'm talking from the kid's perspective, how you logistically work that out. I know that there's apps and there's brilliant parenting resources and there's many experts out there, but from the kid, I don't want to be the messenger. So don't make me the messenger. Even that's if that means point. trying to, you know, make me call with a phone. Mm-hmm. Third and thing. another one, third one. There's so many. I know. A, we'll we'll limit it to three different. for now. We'll, we ha- we'll do this. We'll do another episode and we'll have more, but for now. Sounds great. Uh, it's going to come down to communication. So don't wait for your kid to communicate to you, even though they might be accessing a brilliant resource like you guys or my blog where they're learning how to communicate with you. But sometimes it's really important that you start snowballing that idea. So don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them and tell them that your divorce is not their fault. Go to them and remind them that they are loved and cared for and that this is hard for you, but you also understand that it's hard for them too. I remember, you know, a lot of people write in and say, my parents say, I don't understand. I remember feeling that way. I thought, I don't understand. What is there I don't know? Is there something about my parents' divorce I don't know? But it's just their their conflict and their pain and their hurt that I wasn't understanding. But then in turn you know, they're not in my shoes either. So don't take your pain and place it onto your child. Communicate more effectively with them by acknowledging their position and that you will never understand it because you're not in their shoes, but you are there to listen to them and you are there to hear them and really do what you can to help them maneuver through your divorce. Is it annoying for a parent to be like, and just checking in, how are you doing today? Or, you know, stuff like that is that annoying or you save that like before bed was always a really hard time because everybody's so tired and that's that's like when everything comes out it is you always have those dnms late at night right i think um it's really interesting uh when you say that because my dad used to have family meetings we'd all have a notebook and we talk about the hard stuff if we had to or the good stuff or just an update and me and my brother thought it was the lamest thing ever. Like, what do you mean we're having a family meeting? Or, you know, me and my mom would talk at length for hours. And that was my situation, my unique situation. We had a very open line communication too. But, you know, at times I would have thought, this is silly. But I think it's really that that helped me develop my communication skills. So it might be annoying and you don't want to be persistent in the way that you're placing more responsibility on, on them by communicating, but more, hey, lines open. Right. I'm here for you. I hear you. Not, I know your dad did a really stupid thing today. Right. Let's talk about it. No. Yeah. How are you feeling? Can I help you? And if it's a no, that's okay too. If they right. need to talk to somebody who's a third person or a professional or reach out to, to really, you know, tailored to them resource, then that might be a better answer. But just knowing that you're there for them can make a little difference. Um. I think it's a great place to 
finish for today. This is so much amazing information and like hearing it straight from, you know, a child of divorce's mouth is, um, makes it so much more poignant, relevant and, and important. I hope that everyone listening today, parents that you took as many gems away from this as I know TH and I did. I mean, I definitely had a few moments just now during that interview where I was like, I never even thought of that. And I think that it is something that we have to keep in mind and always keep revisiting as our children grow up and as they age too, what they need is going to be different at different stages. Stages. So, Yeah. yeah. So Belle, I hope that you will come back and do more with us because I think we have a million more questions to ask you and really understanding things from the kid's perspective is one of the most important things for any parent of divorce. Um, So thank you so much for taking the time at such a late hour in Australia to accommodate us. We really appreciate it. And everyone out there, like, you know, check out Bella's um, expert page on our site, but also her blog, A Kid With Two Homes. She has a great, you know, it's a great blog, but also amazing stuff on social media. And it'll be a resource that you'll be glad that you utilized. Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks so much for having me. I agree. We have so much to unpack. So I would love to come back. Um, and it's been really great talking to you guys. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Divorce Etc. with the X experts We really hope this episode was helpful for you in getting information you need and feeling empowered to get through it. And always remember, there are so many of us just like you. Now, please hit the subscribe button so you always get new episodes and please rate and review us. You can also check out our website filled with free resources at xexperts.com. Follow us on social on Instagram and Facebook and send us an email to let us know your thoughts or any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about. See you next time.